When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai, 33 years and counting, 12 years on the radio and counting. Crazy. I'm so happy today. Will is on vacation. I'm not happy he's on vacation, but I'm happy that Jorge is here. Jorge, who was with me years ago, and it's just great to have him back. Please tweet me. Let me know that the uh, radio sound, volume, whatever is working. And I apologize again. Technical issues for the last few weeks, but hopefully they're all fixed now. I'm so excited for today's show. What a day I had in the operating room, though, yesterday, before I even get started. If you go on Twitter, or now I'm playing around with Instagram, you'll see the challenge I had. Six foot three, 300 pound fighter who many years ago had an ACL reconstruction where they drove a staple. This is what they did in those days, the Joe Namath era, into his tibia, his shin bone which would really be blocking me from being able to fix his arthritic knees. He's only 33 years old. What am I going to do? He can't walk. God bless my father, the carpenter. Measured twice, cut once. God bless snap-on tools and all the things I learned over the years because it came in handy. And if you go on Twitter, you'll see the, the x-ray I posted of a knee with a big staple sticking in someone's tibia with an arthritic knee. But I just posted... What his post-op x-ray looks like after I was done carefully taking that staple out and then bypassing it. I'm just so lucky to be able to use my hands and my head together to be a surgeon. And I just couldn't wait to get to the microphone this morning to talk about so many things because my guest at 815 is one of my favorite. Over these last 12 years, 500 shows, is Fred Dreyer. Played for the Rams. He's an iconic figure in sports. And I just trust him so much with the perspective of the player. And the reason I'm having Fred Dreyer as my guest today is because, I've told you before, I went to the Super Bowl. My bucket list, 16 rows up from the 20-yard line, brought my wife and had one of the greatest days of my life. Seeing Joe Burrow my favorite quarterback, but also seeing Matt Stafford and the Rams. It was just heaven on earth. The only negative was watching Odell Beckham Jr. plant his foot, nobody tackled him, tearing his ACL again in the same knee he already had it fixed. And I could hear in my head the voice of Fred Dreyer going, artificial turf, artificial turf. And so I called him, Fred, you got to teach us People need to hear again the perspective from the player about artificial turf. 
but it made me think all week. Artificial turf. Why do you even make artificial turf? This whole word, artificial. And you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery. Where do you see the idea of artificial turf? Good, bad, all the reasons you can have. The owner's perspective, the stadium's perspective, the low maintenance looks better on television maybe. But what about the players? Some of them actually like it. I spoke to Bob Stenner yesterday, the great producer of CBS football over many years with Pat Summerall, who, by the way, his accountant is Bob Sullivan. Here's a shout-out, Bob Sullivan. I love Bob Stenner, who says, Be careful, Dr. Clapper. Some of the players actually like artificial turf. Really? Yeah, the defensive linemen don't like it. But some of the players like it. So the whole idea of artificial turf in these worlds that we live in, I tried to boil it up. Why do you seek something artificial, good and bad? And the answer is two things. One, it saves you time. Lower maintenance with its artificial grass. Less time to be placed taking care of the grass. Forget about that. It's better maybe natural grass. Less injuries. But it obviously is there for a reason. And time is money. So where in my lifetime in the world of art do I see something artificial as it relates to time? Good and bad aspects. And you're going to hear the most incredible sound bites of the greatest chef. Talk about an artist, but an artist with food. Is Julia Child in 1978 on the Dick Cavett talk show introducing for the first time a food processor. Jorge knows a lot about making salsa. You know how you make salsa? You don't make it with a food processor in 1978 because it didn't exist. Let me pronounce it correctly. Mocajete. Oh, man, you got it on point. That's right. You use a mocajete, which basically is an Aztec. We're going back thousands of years. The same rock that's Tia Tehuacan, the pyramid in Mexico. It's just a tiny version of Tia Tehuacan in your kitchen. That's how you make salsa. Which, by the way, I got to tell you, we talk about salsas all the time on this show. El Tarasco, I can go through the list. Um, Los Toros, some of my favorite salsa in Los Angeles. My mouth is watering already. But where can you buy in the store? I have a Ph.D. in La Victoria. I know salsas as a Jewish guy from New York, but forget about it. Where's the best salsa? Because I don't have a Mexican family. I'm a frustrated Mexican. That you can buy in the store that it comes close to El Tarasco, that comes close to that amazing salsa at Tito's Tacos. I'm going to tell you the name. It's a family business, and they've been doing it for four generations. You can buy it at Gelson's. I'm going to tell you the brand. Blow your mind. But I'm pretty sure they're not using a mocajete to do it. They're doing it with a food processor. I don't know this for a fact, but the people I know, housewives, women at home, they need to make that meal in a hurry. They ain't using the mocajete. They got to use a food processor. 
That's exactly right. And that's what Julia Child tells Dick Cavett. Calm down. I'm an, I'm an executive chef. I'm Julia Child. And I'm telling you it's okay to do things faster. This artificial mocajete is going to be just fine. And what about in sports? A thought. Artificial. Save time. Become more uniform. The positive of an artificial. And there's negatives, but what about the positive? Well, there's a machine made in 1971 for baseball and then in 1974 came to football because a little league dad decided he needed to have his son catch more balls, hit more balls, but particularly for football. And it's called the jugs machine. You know why it's called the jugs machine? Because in the 1920s, 100 years ago, there was a baseball pitcher who threw a curveball that dropped out of the sky. And the reporter in the Pittsburgh Gazette said, that ball looks like the curve of a jug handle. And they called him Jugs Johnny. So a curveball became known as a Jugs. Chris Cardo, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time in the Hall of Fame, really kind of put one-handed catches on the map. Pretty much says I'm in the Hall of Fame because of a jugs machine. Because I don't have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady in my garage to throw me 100 balls every day. But I got this machine. Saves time. More uniform. It helps. We try to fight time. It's the most precious thing we have as human beings. If you can make something that gives you more time, or I should say waste more time, so you're not wasting more time, then it's artificial and I'm up for it. In my world of surgery, am I dealing with robots and computers and lasers and all kinds of cockamamie things? Michelangelo didn't need a robot to make the David. Now, Someday, and for some surgeons who can't draw a straight line, yeah, they need as much technology as possible. But when you want surgery, you want an artist. You want someone who thinks three-dimensionally. The artificial helps a bad surgeon become a good surgeon. I get that. But if you're having surgery, you better ask for a great surgeon, not a good surgeon. Clapper Vision today. It's going to be about Rafael Nadal because he's got a problem in his midfoot. And we also still have Anthony Davis slowly getting better. Thank God the boot is off. He's starting to run around. We're going to get into that play-in tournament. You watch. Just beat the Clippers. I don't even care about getting a ring this year. That's all I want. Please, Anthony Davis. But I want to talk about the midfoot because there's a bone in the midfoot that is really the big troublemaker for Rafael Nadal. And the bone is called the navicular bone. It connects the mid portion of your foot to your ankle. So think about it. Look right now down at your foot. Look at your foot go up and down, flexion, extension, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion. That's what it's called. It's like a, a flip phone, right? It's a hinge, your ankle. Here's the problem. Try to roll your ankle in and out. Uh-oh, that's not a hinge. How is your foot and midfoot and ankle doing that. 
It's doing it because, believe it or not, there is a ball and socket joint in the mid-portion of your foot, the top of the arch of your foot. Remember, there's 26 bones in the foot. This is the most important bone in your foot. It's called the navicular. And I'll explain what actually happens to it. It involves circulation and also potentially a birth defect that some people have. But I'll explain with Clapper Vision a little bit later in the show. When we open up the clinic, the number will be 877-710-ESPN. But let me, before we go, I would love to play this. Where technology saves time. But can you imagine assembling an entire orchestra? 500 years ago, Beethoven. The Fifth Symphony sounds like this. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of effort in Beethoven's Fifth. But these are separate instruments, beautifully coming together. Now... When technology came to the music business, Walter Murphy decided to use a synthesizer, and it sounds like this. That's right. Don't ride off the road right now if you're driving. This is a synthesizer duplicating all those instruments that Beethoven designed. So when you see artificial turf, I need you to think of Beethoven. Beethoven's fifth, and a fifth of Beethoven. And then the progression of music led to these guys, the Pet Shop Boys. Really? Listen to this. Nobody's playing an instrument. This is all synthesized music. This is artificial turf in the world of art, music, in your ear. The only thing you can relate to is he's singing. But the sound behind it is artificial turf. What a topic, right? Coming up next, you're going to hear Julia Child sound like Chris Carter, the wide receiver. How is that possible? Only on this show can I have Julia Child and Chris Carter essentially be talking about the same thing. Artificial turf in their world of catching a ball and of making Coco Vaughn. Coming up next, we'll get into it. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Beautiful. Synthesized music. This is artificial turf in your ear. Tell you what is not artificial turf is hearing Kobe Bryant introduce this show. Not a day goes by that all of us don't think of him. And it's more than the basketball. It was him. We may be Laker fans. But if you really tell yourself, you're a Kobe Bryant fan, 
who played on the Lakers. It's hard to watch basketball without thinking of him. So I'm going to play that soundbite for as long as I do this show. Awesome. Thank you, Kobe, once again. So when I saw Odell Beckham Jr. plant his foot, like many players, Derrick Rose on the basketball court, plants his foot, tore his ACL. We see more and more non-contact injuries to the knee for all kinds of reasons we can get into. And with with my guest, Fred Dreyer, we're really going to get into it at 8.15. But it transcends the football field, the whole idea of making things artificial. You want to save time. You want to th- make things more uniform. So this is 1978. Making salsa, you're using something the Aztecs made, a molcajete, something of rock. And you just crush the tomatoes, the peppers, the onions, the cilantro, the garlic, a little bit of lime juice or orange juice, and don't forget the salt. The key is how much of each. Well, my favorite salsa comes in three different flavors. And I like the hot one. I put it on eggs every morning. I have eggs every morning. The problem is I can't buy enough of this stuff because first I used to use a quarter of the container. Now it was a third of the container. Now I use half of it. My wife's going, what's the matter? You can't buy enough salsa. I can't. It's just so delicious on my eggs in the morning. And I need energy to go to the operating room, to see patients, to do what I do. But in 1978, the greatest chef of all time goes on a talk show and introduces something that will help her audience. You know who her audience is? The mom at home who's got kids who need dinner. The husband's coming home. That was her audience. And you're going to hear a soundbite with the president of Lando Lake's Butter. She loved butter. Is in the audience. And Jacques Pepin, her co-host, says, all right, we're going to make a pie dough. We're going to use butter. By the way, the president of our sponsor, Lando Lakes, is in the audience. You know what Julia Child does? She pretty much says, I don't care who's in the audience. I don't care the president of Lando Lakes is paying for this show's sponsor. My audience is the woman who's making dinner for her family. And if I can make it faster, better for her and her family... And I don't care about Lando Lakes, and I don't care about making it the traditional way. It'll taste just fine, but if it gives her some time to be with her family and makes it easier, I'm doing it. So listen to the greatest chef of all time, my hero, Julia Child, teach this Dick Cavett a lesson or two about cooking. By the way, this looks dangerous, is it? Uh... <laughs> well, that's a good chopping machine. But what I thought we'd do first was a little bit of, of the slicing technique. Because when I first came back from France some years ago, when, I, when I'd done my studying there, I did everything by hand, you know. And I can do I can pretty fast on 
Oh, no. Don't try that, boys and girls. But, uh, I mean, it's not Well, I've spent a lot of time practicing. Are these it. your original fingers? How do you... <laughs> he's trying to make fun of her, and he's trying to be, you know, annoying. Hey, it isn't going to taste the same. She could care. She ain't taking crap from anybody. That's why she's Julia Child, the greatest ever. Listen to more. But see, if you haven't spent a lot of time, it take, if you have to, it takes a little while to smell. Well, that's going very well. But I'm not coming as close as you, no, did I? Well, but anyway, it takes a long time by hand if you have a whole lot of things to slice. I now usually here, find that the sawing method is the... But if you, had, if you had 12 of these to cut up, it would take quite a long while. Yeah. Nespar. Absolutely. So, she's trying to be polite. You know, if you got 10 of these cucumbers to cut up, it's going to take a while. That's all she's thinking about. i got to help that person who's making dinner for her family. Yeah. Have one of these machines. This is what I think is marvelous. You just put it in there. But that's the devil's work. That's modern yeah. gadgetry. I know. It's natural turf. Isn't that amazing? Well, put a, that is another. nice. It, it really is amazing. You just but, can't but believe it. There are people who would frown on that and say... Uh, well, I should say... They, probably some even who can pretend they can would, taste the difference. I would say foo on them. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that, isn't that something? That's marvelous. Now, supposing you have... Can you get it out of there, though? That's the... She now is going to call those people food snobs. Oh, my God, Julia Child calling someone a food snob. Stop telling me it tastes different. It doesn't. I'm trying to save that person time and make it perfect. I knew you but it oh, is no, faster, I'll admit that. There. There we go. There you are. But isn't that marvelous? That is. That is. Now we have another model over here. Now I want to illustrate something here. You can rock pretty fast. But even so, if you have a recipe, like we have one in our in our new show and in our book called mm -hmm. It's a Buffet Dinner for Nineteen. And it's You'd never, you'd never achieve it if you had to do it all by hand. So it's all most it's done in the food processor. And now look at how fast you're going to put a you real. Can do these. But you're cheating by cutting them. You first. have, you have to cut them a little bit first, uh -huh. but not very much. Look at how fast time. That's why we have artificial turf because it takes less time to maintain it. I know this is food I'm talking about, but pay attention to what she's about to say. Look at that. This one has a little pulse on it. Oh, you're not stopping and starting it. No. It's doing that itself. Let's see, see how you're doing. But look at how you could, I mean, you could chop in about 10 seconds. You could run 10 oh. seconds a piece. And they're, they're all chopped for you. And but the important thing, I think, about the machine is that it makes it possible to do really what we're considered haute cuisine or really fancy dishes, mm -hmm. just in seconds. Seconds, and here she calls them food snobs. But are there great cooks or chefs, if you'll allow the word, who, who just say, uh, this is not, this is too no, much I don't know. Too... All the chefs that I know, anything that you can do fast and well, they will do. I think it's uh -huh. just the, it's the people who are kind of the weekend cooks and somewhat food snobs mm -hmm. who, or are the people who, you know, there are people who cook for therapy. Ah, uh, uh, yes, and, and so, so the and longer the job takes, the more therapy yes. they get. And also the feeling that you're getting this psychic reaction. <laughs> she ain't interested in that. She ain't interested in therapy. She's interested in, I'm saving you some time so you can be with your family.
If you're, if you're the home cook and you've got to get the meals out every single day on time, the faster you can do it, the better. And there's nothing. For and me, I don't know any real, any any real chef that uh, that just doesn't welcome any kind of a fast machine. That's one reason. In all the fancy restaurants, you're finding all kinds of mousses because you can not mousses with antlers on, but the kind of mousse that you eat. Yes, in fact, <laughs> you know, I in a dish. Artificial means saving time, making things more uniform. Julia Child was true to her craft. Chris Carter, true to his craft of football. And you'll hear about the jugs machine in a second. But this woman knew who her audience was, and she was there to help you, teach you how to cook. But she did not care about anybody else other than her audience, which was that one-on-one -on -one relationship that you felt. I was a high school kid coming home after school to an empty house, and I used to watch Julia Child. I didn't want to tell my friends because it was not macho to say I'm watching a cooking show rather than a football game. But there was passion that came through the television waves from this woman. Listen to her co-host, the French chef Jacques Pepin, talk about a lesson he learned one day that she just cared about her audience. She didn't care about the sponsor. This is amazing. Uh, we had sponsor, of course, like Lando Lake, uh, butter. So uh, she would put a whole stick of butter. I put one tablespoon. Say, More butter. I say, Julia, it's too much. She used more butter than even one that, that I've seen. So one time there is the president of Lando Lake who come to see one of the show. We taped it at uh, Juliet House in, uh, in Boston. So uh, Jeff Drummond, the president, said, what are you going to do? I said, Jeff, we, we're doing a, I'm doing a dough to start with to do a big apple, apple tart, you know, apple galette in the oven. Apple tart. I'm going to use the rest of that dough to do a chicken pot pie. We had uh, chicken leftover mm. to show whatever. And then Julia said, I want to do my own dough, which often happened like five minutes before we start. We are, I said, great, terrific, fine. So uh, and we started the, the show. I did a dough, but I rolled the dough. She helped me cut the apple, put it in the, the oven. And I said, now Julia is going to do her own dough. He said, yes, Jacques is going to do it. I said, Okay, fine. She could care less about the rules. The president of Lando Lakes Butters in the audience. He knows she uses more butter than anybody else. Make the president feel good. No. She's now figured out that Crisco is faster in making dough. She don't care that the president of Lando Lakes is in the audience. She knows who her audience is. It's that person who needs to make that meal for the family. It's all she cares about. And she said, I want you to do it in a, in a food processor. I said, that's a good idea. Fine. So I said, two, two, two cups of flour with a dash of salt, dash of sugar. So how much butter do you want? She said, I want Crisco. I said, what? We don't have Crisco. The president of Lando Lake is there. He said, we have Crisco. She has Crisco underneath. I can't have we did half butter, half Crisco. It's the only time in the whole series we use Crisco, because <laughs> the president of Lato Lake was there. She could care less. She's going to show you. You got this French guy here. He's showing you how to make it with butter and s with your hands squeezing it. Ladies and gentlemen, use a food processor and some Crisco. That's how you'll get a pie crust. God bless her. That's the beauty of it.
You just got to love people with passion. And it can come from the world of food. It just, she's the champion. She knows who her audience is. The idea of something artificial to save time, to be more efficient. There's good and there's bad to that. And we'll get into it. I want you to hear about in the world of sports, when something artificial occurs beyond the turf, you don't need that quarterback to throw you the ball if you got a machine. What happens when you bring that machine called the jugs to the world of football? Wait till you hear about Odell Beckham Jr. and what he does with the machine. And Chris Carter, how he feels it launched him into the Hall of Fame. And you'll hear from the little boy who's now a 60-year-old man who tells you that his father invented this. It's an amazing story. We'll get into it coming up next here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. This is the Pet Shop Boys. Called West End Girls. The entirety of this song, which was a breakthrough moment in the world of music, is all synthesizer, artificial sounds. One of the great rock songs of the 80s. By the way, I have no idea what the difference between a West End and an East End is either. But if you live in London, I'm sure it's a big deal. I still don't know why it's West Covina. Is there an East Covina? They should do a song. West Covina Girls. That's, that should be the song. There's with a, a Covina. With a sound. <laughs> the, the, the synthesizer sound. I wonder what it would sound like. Here, here's our new hit, West Covina Girls. <laughs> <laughs> the Pet Shop Boys move to Los Angeles. Their new song, West Covina Girls. <laughs> Now I want you to hear an amazing analysis of a throwing of a football throwing machine. And again, there's more going on here than just throwing a football. It's artificial. But it allows you to get more time in than having a quarterback throw you the ball over and over. If you're a receiver, the more reps, the better you get. It's an awesome story of innovation as well. I have patents because I went to the operating room frustrated. Can I make this better? And now I have six patents on tools that are used all over the world. That was a bucket list for me to have a patent of the many things I wanted to do with my life. And it's an awesome feeling to, you'll hear even in these sound bites, to scribble the idea on a cocktail napkin. And then... Two years later, it's got a barcode and they're buying it all over the world. You own an idea. Awesome. Here's the story of the artificial turf in sports, but in a different area, throwing the the football. Butch Paulson was a little eager when his father, John, invented a machine to help him become a better hitter. He came out in 1971 with the Jugs curveball pitching machine and then in 1974 he started working on the football machine 
Raymond Berry, the Hall of Fame receiver, was one of the first people to see it. He just fell in love with it, and since then, it's become almost a standard piece of equipment. The Jugs football machine cost $2,600, and according to Paulson, they've sold more than 25,000, with a client list that includes every NFL team. Everybody used to always say, why do you stay on the jug machine? Why do you stay on the jug machine? It's because I'm implementing me being in the game, catching a pass without somebody having to be there to throw me great passes. So here's the beginning of the story. You a fan of the jugs machine? Love the jugs machine. That's Andy Reid. Yeah. I think we lead the league in jug machines. We've uh, made a huge investment in jugs machines. I think we have probably eight to ten of them. We have a term of uh, old Bruce Lee movie, you know, like I fear the man not with 10,000 kicks, but has one kick who's done it 10,000 times. Like, that's catching the jugs over and over and over again to get your skills really right. It's a hell of an invention, but I have no idea who invented it or where it started. But whoever did for football, great invention. That's right. Well, here's, here's who invented it. That distinction would go to the father of this man, Butch Paulson, president of Jug Sports in Tualatin, Oregon. Tualatin. This is command central for Jug Sports. It's kind of almost Norman Rockwell-ish, but my dad, he loved baseball. Initially, he bought a machine for me to practice with. This is the 60-year-old man talking about him being a little leaguer. But the dad came home, just like Ed Sable, who started NFL Films. He just wanted to take movies of his son Steve Sable and created, ended up creating the greatest football film library of all time. And he looked around and purchased what he thought was the state of the art at the time. And my dad, being kind of an inventor type, saw once we got the machine that... I, I can do a lot better than this. And he did. He designed the first machine literally on a cocktail napkin. Made a prototype and then the rest was history. But what got him into it was his desire just to help me, his kid, become a better player. That's awesome. We all benefit from that, Butch. The name of John Paulson's new company also came from the baseball diamond. My dad, growing up, he was a pitcher in college, and a curveball back then in the 20s was called a jug, a jug-handled curve. My dad applied that to the machine that he had designed, and it just kind of stuck. Look at all those guys on the jugs. I just want to see you on the jugs. Is that a jug machine? Jug sold its first football machine to the Baltimore Colts in 1975. But it took a while for football's ultimate catching contraption to catch on. They were using it mostly for punt return practice, and they weren't using it for receivers that much. It wasn't until more recent years when the game has become more pass-oriented that sales have taken off. Chris Carter, I got to give him a lot of credit. I think he was the one who uh, really kind of paved the way. Now listen to Chris Carter give full credit to the Jugs machine for getting him into the Hall of Fame. Since about midway through my career, I've always owned a Jugs machine. I always had one in my garage. Because you might not have 
an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Brett Favre sitting around. But if you got that jugs machine, you can get some work in. I've always been addicted to jugs machine. Like, it was a bad day if I only caught 100 balls on the jugs machine. I didn't think there was a tool that helped me concentrate and catch the ball better. And when I got into the one-handed catching and starting to practice that, that just took my game to a whole nother level. Hmm. So when you see my Hall of Fame clip, you see a one-handed grab in there. You'll see that because of the routine that I had on a daily basis. You'll watch me grab one right below the goalpost. That's because the drills that we did when we shot the ball higher in the red zone, and we were able to get to that exact height there, the toe tap on the sideline, the back of the end zone. The jugs machine, it made me do that better. It doesn't get more artificial than a machine throwing you and spinning a ball. Bob Stenner told me this machine can actually mimic a right-handed versus a left-handed quarterback throwing you the ball. It can do all kinds of things. Brain takes pictures, so you see the ball coming like a flash. Within the jugs machine, I was able to... I was able to cover all the spots that I could physically get a ball thrown to me. Once I got into the game, there wasn't a blind spot that I have. I've seen that ball. I've caught that ball hundreds and hundreds of times. Listen to Butch Paulson talk about and reference Odell Beckham Jr., who started this whole thought process in my head. It's become such a part of training in the game now that these players are getting creative. They're trying to figure out every awkward position they can be in in a game situation and still catch the ball Some of the stunts that you see some of the players doing just for fun to challenge themselves, we would have never even dreamed of. I've seen Odell Beckham get like 10 yards away from the machine, and then with every pass, he'll creep in a yard, creep in a yard, creep in a yard, and he's just, and it's astounding to have reflexes and the strength and hands to do what he can do. When the Molcajete becomes a food processor, It becomes a jugs machine in sports. That's what we're talking about today. Saving time, being more uniform. There is a place for artificial, artificial turf. It may not all be good. It may lead to more injuries. But there's a reason we do it, to try to fight with time. And speaking of time, coming up next, I'll take you into the operating room. We'll do some clap revision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Mocahete Show, the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, <clears throat> Weekend Warriors. Oh boy, there goes my voice. I could use salsa. an artificial voice. It's the salsa. It's the salsa. <laughs> oh my God, wait till I tell you this salsa, Jorge. Oh, it's so delicious. That's the West Covina girls by the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> All right, the lines are lit up. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I'll save what happened to me surfing last Sunday. Oh, my God. Wait till I tell you that story. Seeing a dorsal fin pop up right next to me. Oh, boy, that was interesting. But I'll wait for later. Right now, let's take some calls. Let's go to who we take first. Mary in Pasadena. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? 
Hi, good morning. Thank you. Um, I just Hi, got my results from a knee MRI. And How I- young are you? What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm 62, and I'm an elementary school teacher. Oh, I love that. God <laughs> bless you. Where'd you grow Thank up? You. What'd your father do for a I- living? I actually grew up in West Covina, so I hope <laughs> that wasn't, you know. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you a West Covina girl? All right, we gotta I play. Am. We gotta play the song. But just instead of hearing West Side, think of West Covina. This is perfect. This is your childhood right here. Exactly. And it's, and it's exactly. Here we go. This is the Pet Shop Boys moving to Los Angeles with their new hit. West Covina girls. <laughs> we got to change the lyrics a little bit. I'm going to download that as soon as I'm off with you. Okay. So what's the restaurant in West Covina that they're talking about? <laughs> wow, it's been a while. I don't. I, Didn't the In and Out Burger start in West Covina? Something like that. Yeah, actually, no, that was Baldwin Park. I think In and Out started in oh, Baldwin well, Park. Isn't that all the same? You get on the ten, you just go east, and eventually you hit yeah. Baldwin and West Covina. Yeah. You hit everything, right? It's that ten. That's the answer. Exactly. To, a New Yorker in Los Angeles, the answer to every question. How do I get there? Oh, get on the ten, go east. Yeah, thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> now, I can, now I can give directions. By the way, okay. where the hell is East Covina? There's no. That's right. That is, and there's of. no lake in Toluca Lake. I, I I saw a patient yesterday. Where do you live? Lakewood. There's a place called. I go. Is there a lake in Lakewood? No, there's no. Uh, Actually, there is a lake on Toluca Lake because my aunt lives on the lake. Yeah. It's a very small. I would call it more like a reservoir. And there's more like um, a swimming pool. That's exactly yeah. what's in Toluca uh, Lake. You don't want to touch the bottom because ducks have lived there for yeah, millions exactly. of years. It's called Toluca Pool. That's what it should be called, not Toluca Lake. <laughs> All right, Mary, how can I help you? What's up? Okay, so this is these are the results. Three things. I Bring, have a radio. Yeah, read the impression and go slow oh. so I can interrupt you with clapper vision. Okay, radial tear of the posterior horn of the medial meniscus. Okay, so stop right there. Radial tear is the shape, the kind of tear that you have. We want to know the shape of the tear, and we also want to know the location of the tear. These are very important things. Why? So here's a clapper vision. Clapper vision. You got an apple pie. I don't know where your favorite place in L.A. to get apple pie, but the apple pan has probably got the best. Marie Callender's makes a great apple pie as well. But and a slice of apple pie, you have the crust, and then you have the tip, right, of that beautiful slice of apple pie. My mouth is watering already. The crust is thick, and the tip of the slice is thinner. It tapers, right? Well, in your knee, in all of our knees, the crust is the rim of the meniscus. The tip is the area we call the white-white zone because the circulation is so bad. The crust is the red-red zone. You get a tear in the, in the crust, in the, in the rim of the meniscus, there's a very good chance it could heal on its own. It's very good for us to actually put stitches and repair them if we can. But same thing with the slice of apple pie. If you take your fork and you go straight from the top where that delicious uh, cinnamon 
stuff they put on top of the Marie Callender one, and you go from the top to the crust, vertical, that's a vertical tear, right? If you took your fork and went horizontally between the, the top and the crust underneath, and you went into where the apples are horizontally, that's a horizontal tear. And if you took your fork and went more diagonal or oblique, that's an oblique tear. For the most part, when you see a oblique tear, a vertical tear, or even a radial tear, it is associated with trauma. But when you hear the word horizontal tear, that's usually related to age, degenerative changes. So everyone gets excited, oh, you got a tear in your meniscus. Listen, you're 62 years old. Don't let anybody operate on you unless you can't straighten or bend your knee fully. Other than that, blisters hurt. You get them in your hand all the time. You keep rubbing and you get a callus. You and I need to do everything we can for a radial tear in the posterior horn of your medial meniscus, a woman in her 60s. Forget about it. You need to sit tight. Do not let them give you a cortisone shot, stem cells for $10,000, PRP, Synvis. No needles into your knee. Be holistic. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. You can learn the exercises. But a radial tear in the posterior horn, this is something as a blister. You and I need to make it into a callus with pool exercises and a stationary bike. Okay, keep reading. Okay. Uh, second one, patellar chondrosis with areas of full thickness cartilage loss. Right. Okay, so here we go. There is There uh, are two kinds of cartilages in our knee. Articular cartilage, which is the cartilage that coats the end of the bone. It's made of hyaline cartilage, and it's a type 2 collagen and blah, 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 and I can be very fancy with all the language that I know and can say. But in the in the end, it doesn't matter. What, what that represents is not the meniscus, which is a cushion or shock absorber cartilage, same material your ear is made of. That's the meniscus. But you've got cartilage behind your kneecap that coats the end of the bone, which, in fact, is the thickest area of cartilage in the whole body, is that cartilage behind the patella, the kneecap. Guess what, young lady? You have no more. You have yeah. worn through the linoleum in the kitchen, and now the plywood is showing. That's my father, the carpenter. So there's your, your clapper vision right there. So can you grow more linoleum? Can you grow more cartilage? No, forget about it. I ain't growing any more hair on top of my head, despite all the shampoos they want to sell me. So don't let them talk you into, we can grow the cartilage back. But if your pain is bad, you're limping, it's swollen, your back hurts because you're walking funny, it buckles on you, yeah, go on my website. You'll see a woman who I did an implant on riding her bike the next day. There's stuff I can do to help, but we're not running to surgery so fast. I can always operate. There's no urgency to this. Can you make the quad, the hamstring, the muscles above your knee, the calf muscles below your knee stronger? Then guess what? You can avoid surgery, and I mean forever. So I'm not so unhappy with the two things you read already. Keep going. Okay, there's part. There's more to part two. It says um, the cartilage loss along the lateral patellar facet with mild subchondral marrow edema. So you wore through the linoleum, the cartilage, so significantly that not only is the plywood showing, you didn't get the the linoleum changed. You keep walking in your kitchen. Guess what? Now you're starting to wear into the plywood. 
because the linoleum's gone, the plywood's exposed, but now you're starting to wear into the plywood itself. That's what that means. Go ahead. Okay. The third one doesn't sound so bad. A baker's cyst is present with minimal rupture. So people ask all the time, and, and, and I feel bad because, you know, there are some doctors out there who would love to stick a needle in your baker's cyst. They would love to tell you you have to have surgery because you have the cyst in the back of your knee. No, say no. Don't stick needles back there and don't have surgery for a baker's cyst. Why do you have a baker's cyst, which is a fluid collection like a water balloon in the back of your knee? It's because you have a torn meniscus and you have arthritis behind your kneecap, which creates swelling. Why does it create swelling? Because if I poked you in the eye, your, your eye would get red and swollen. We call it inflammation. A fluid starts to collect, right? Well, your knee can't expand because you have a bony kneecap in front. You have two big, thick ligaments on either side of your knee. They're not going to expand like a water balloon. But the back of your knee can handle the increased fluid of inflammation that's happening because you have arthritis. It's just related to the first two things that you read. So everybody needs to calm down. You have a knee, in my opinion, that is 100%, Mary, worth saving. And I'm a busy surgeon. I do, you know, 500 surgeries a year for 33 years. I love being a surgeon. But I also love telling you that you don't need to have surgery. All those little elementary school kids that you've taught over the years, I need to keep you running around without an operation for all the good that you've done with your life. You don't need to call a total stranger and, and, and help them like I'm helping you. You've done this your whole life. It's my pleasure and honor to help you as a school teacher. The greatest job you can have in, in our society. You need to Thanks. buy yourself. You're welcome. You need to buy yourself a birthday present. When's your birthday, Mary? It just passed, but I do have a Peloton if that's what you're going to suggest. So tell your husband to stop hanging his clothes on the handlebars of the Peloton. People <laughs> go, you've been in my house, Dr. Clapper. No, get that. Get the <laughs> well, clothes off I, of the Peloton and don't use it for an hour. Just because you pay for the class for 45 minutes, forget about it. At six, in your 60s, a half an hour, enough. Do it not every day. It's also your, your brain will ignore it every other day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half an hour, ride the bike. Oh, my God. You will start to feel so much better. But, Dr. Clapper, I have a radial tear. I have no cartilage behind my kneecap. It's hurting. Good. You know what it's like to clip 10 roses in the backyard. You get a big blister in your hand. You know what I would tell you to do? Go clip 10 more roses. What are you, crazy, Dr. Clapper? I can't even pick up a pencil. I got a blister in my hand. Why would I keep clipping roses? Because you've lived long enough to know that the blister, which hurts, becomes a callus. It suddenly stops hurting. That's what you got right now. You got a blister in your meniscus. You got a blister behind your patella. Nothing's going to happen bad. You're not going to fracture it. You're not going to, you're going to hopefully get this to be livable happily ever after. And I got news for you. If I MRI'd your other knee, which maybe doesn't hurt, I promise you, I would see very similar, not exactly the same, but similar changes, and you'll go, but that knee doesn't hurt. Exactly, because that knee has the callus, not the blister. So no shots, no pills, be holistic. Now, if it continues, Mary, all kidding aside, that's a different story. It's now March. If June, July comes and it still hurts, that's a different story. 
Oh, this has been over a year, and I've already done eight weeks of rehab. I, had to I do don't that. like physical therapy for this. I'll be honest with you. Everybody really? wants to prove themselves to you. God blue. I love physical therapists, but in this particular case, I don't think they will be helpful. Water exercises, yes, that would be helpful. But the pool is is great. The bike is great. But I don't like all the other stuff they do, the lunges, the squats, the weights, all the cockamamie stuff, and everybody wants to prove themselves to you. I would no longer go to physical therapy for this. Do this yourself. Yeah, no, I, I that. But I used to be a seven-day-a-week runner, and I, Thank I you. exercise a lot. I'm not, I'm not overweight. I've been reading up on this. Seven I'm not days overweight. a week is bad. You need to leave, and God tells us you should take a break one day, whatever the religion well, is. Have- yeah, true. I know it just is like my mental medicine. But Good. Become a I, bike rider. I, Forget the running. You need to change. I should trademark the term age-size, Mary, that you have to <laughs> exercise differently based on your age. And I didn't make the rules. Talk to the big orthopedic surgeon in the sky. It's not me. But you need to change. And if you don't, you know how many patients? I mean, one of the patients I did yesterday, in year, but he's 33 years old. Are you kidding me? Trust me. When he went running seven days a week, you know what he did? He said it hurt, so he took Advil, so he could keep running. Are you kidding me? How about if it hurts, stop running? How about if it hurts, do something different? No, give me a pill so I can keep doing what I want to do, despite the fact that your body is telling you it doesn't like it. That's the problem with all these drugs. That's the problem with the drug companies. They can't wait to make money selling you treatment for a symptom. Don't give me Robitussin if I'm coughing because I got pneumonia. If I got pneumonia, you better give me antibiotics to stop coughing, not Robitussin. You know what I mean? That That's the problem. You intellectually go, hey, I've run my whole life. I want to keep running. Guess what? You can't. You have to switch yeah. and, and switch your exercise. That doesn't mean become a couch potato, but exercise yeah. differently. And for your osteoporosis that you're going to get because of menopause, start doing Tai Chi classes. Ride your bike. Do Tai Chi. Walk in the pool. Do dancing. Those kinds of things are fantastic for you. And eat plenty of salsa, either with a mocajete or a food processor. Salsa, okay. Wait till that. You have Got to stay it. tuned. I'm going to tell you the best salsa you can buy that I've ever bought in my life in a store, and you can keep buying it, that is as close to El Tarasco's as I can get. But I'll, uh, I'll explain that a little later in the show. Mary, God bless you. You will get better. Okay. If not... That's different. Then you can come see me or someone, but just be holistic in it. I'm optimistic that you will subside your baker's cyst. You will make the blisters into a callus, and you will feel better. But you got to stop doing things that it doesn't like, and running is one of them. No, I ha- I've stopped that because it, after four minutes it hurts. But yeah. thank so, you for your time. I really appreciate it. All right, Mary. God bless you. Have a great holiday, great weekend. All right, Warriors. Coming up next, I'm going to tell stories. Stories that relates as it relates to my guest at eight fifteen, the great Fred Dreyer, the only football player to score two safeties in a single game. It's still a record. He's awesome and he's thoughtful, and he was on the radio way back. Told a story about Andy Warhol. If you could go back in the archives, you will laugh yourself right out of your car. But I want to talk to him about what happened to Odell Beckham Jr. tearing his ACL on artificial turf. Artificial turf is a pet peeve of Fred Dreyer. And I want to talk about it, but I also want to talk about it in the world of art, the world of medicine and the world of surgery, that same topic of artificial.